thank you so much for being in the house of God. Um, you, uh, you guys are here today on a very special day because God is going to do something great in the house of the Lord today. I do not I do want to do not want to pretend to you today that I'm not feeling a very heavy weight on my shoulder today. I am very thankful to have a lot of children in the house of God today. And I ask one request from you today, those that's sitting out in this congregation. We have some children that are not necessarily used to um, church all the time, and they may run around a little bit today. Don't let that distract you. Because I would rather them run around in the house of God than to run around on the streets on a Sunday. I come to you on a mission today. I come to you on purpose and I come with a burden in my heart I'm going to be reading for the book of Luke today chapter 12 and um, it's on the screen if you don't have a Bible I heard somebody put it this way this week the screen is for those who's not a part of the church and don't go to church much and may not have a Bible, but those of us who go regular, you should have a Bible in your hand. <laughs> Luke chapter 12 and verse 16. If you could stand with me with the reading of the Word. I have five verses of Scripture today. And he, speaking of Jesus, spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentiful. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. He said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater and there will I bestow my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, So thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool. I want everybody to say that two-word phrase with me. Thou fool. This night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Before we pray today, I want to say, before I even get into this, please don't check out on me from this today. This could be the most important message you have ever heard in your entire life. Okay? Not that I'm anything special. Understand that. Especially if you're a part of this church, Harvest House. I know my, my cousin Donnie goes to my brother's church, but um, 
it still could be the most important message you've ever heard in your entire life. The Lord put a burden on my spirit last week to preach to this congregation on this day. That's why I sent out a message to folks, encourage you to be here today. Not everybody heeded to it. And not everybody that I sent a message to is here today. But I want to talk to you today for just a little bit on this thought. Don't die as a fool. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity to be in the house of God. We thank you for everything that you've done here today so far. And we thank you for your mighty blessings, God. Lord, I'm nothing and I'm nobody, but I know that you've spoke to my spirit, God. And I'm asking you to touch this congregation today, God. I'm asking you to captivate this audience, God, from the youngest child to the oldest one that may be here today, God. And Lord, you would captivate this place with your spirit, Lord, and you would help us, God, to receive what you have for us here today, God. The cold, the indifferent, Lord, whether it be lost people here or the most saved person in this place, God, I pray that you would do something in our spirit and you would help us today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. I come to you today with the voice of a pastor. Okay? Can I be the voice of a pastor today to you? Can I preach to you like I've never preached before in my entire life? No doubt we are living in a hard time. Can I get an amen? Every day that you wake up, there is an enemy of our soul that's trying to steal, kill, and destroy everything within your life that remotely looks like uh, it's a part of the kingdom of God. Every day that you wake up, whether you claim to be a, a Christian, whether you're cold, whether you're indifferent, every day that you wake up, it doesn't matter if, if you're the uh, best saint in the world or you're the ranked sinner in the world. Every day, the devil is doing everything he can to steal, kill, and destroy your soul. And the Bible tells us as much so. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5 and 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. I want to tell you today, the devil is after you. He is after you. I talked a little bit about it a few minutes ago, but why do you think you fight depression? Why do you think you fight addictions? Why do you think you fight anger and resentment? Why do you think you fight those things that keep you from feeling good and feeling good about yourself? It's not coming from God. It's coming from the powers of hell because hell is scared of you. Hell doesn't like you waking up in the morning even halfway having a thought about living for God or serving God. Hell is your enemy today. Hell is after you. Hell wants to destroy you. He, the devil is just like that roaring lion. He's seeking you. He's watching whether you're reading your Bible. He's watching whether uh, uh, you're uh, praying or not. He's watching what you're watching. He's encouraging you to watch some things. He's encouraging you to be around some people. I'm telling you right now, the Bible says in John 10 and 10, the thief cometh except to steal, kill, and destroy. But I'm thankful that Jesus said, I come that they may have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I didn't come here to play games today. I come to preach to somebody. I come to talk to somebody's heart today. That's why I said we weren't going to have Sunday school. And we weren't going to have a Sunday school, praise the Lord. Because I want to make sure that somebody hears what I got to say today. I want somebody to know today that hell is after you. 
Young person, don't think one of these days when I get old enough, I'll serve God because there's young people every day that's got a cemetery, praise God, that's in the cemetery and got their name on a grave. It doesn't matter how old you are and it doesn't matter how young you are. The devil is after you and he wants to kill you. He will not be satisfied until your toes is turned up and you're going to hell or until your toes are turned up and you're going to heaven and you're out of his way. All he wants you to do is die lost, die undone, praise God. And he's after us today. Daniel 7 and 25 said, and he, speaking, praise the Lord, uh, of the devil, he shall speak great words against the Most High, and he shall wear out the saints of the Most High and think to change times and laws. Does that sound like a time that we may be living in right now? Are they trying to change some laws that we're living in right now? Are they trying to change some things around where the church isn't important, when it's all about you and not about God? Hallelujah, we're living in that time when he's wearing us out. He's trying to wear us down. He's saying you don't have to go to church all the time. You don't have to give yourself to the kingdom of God. Why don't you do this and why don't you do that? And as we close in on the last days of this earth, we are in a battle of a lifetime. We're in a battle for our souls. And I'm thankful to have this baby dedication here today because I want to tell you, the devil is after them babies. The devil wants Sandra. The devil wants Bruce. The devil wants Cody. And let me tell you, Ronnie and Christina, you're their best chance of ever being saved right now because society says they can choose their own right now. They can choose whether they're a boy or a girl. It doesn't matter what what uh, what God says. They can choose whether, hallelujah, one of these days if they get pregnant, if they have an abortion or not. I'm telling you what, God chose that from the beginning. God gave us life and we better realize, praise God, this life is the only life we got and it's precious. Hell is fighting for your soul. Why do you think you woke up with them feelings today thinking, I don't think I'll go today. I'm tired. I'm weary. Oh, come on. Hell is attacking the church. He's doing everything that it can to destroy you that may be in the church or you that may even think I want to go to church. Hell doesn't like you. Amen. That's enough about hell for a minute. I'm thankful. Jesus didn't leave us out there by ourselves. Amen. Jesus said in John 16 and 33, the wor- in this world you shall have tribulation. Anybody ever go, you know what tribulation is? It's trials, it's tests. Anybody ever go through them things? Anybody ever battle some financial situations, some family situations, some uh, physical circumstances, things in your life? Come on, that's all the stuff the world has come upon us. But I'm thankful that Jesus didn't stop that verse right there. He said, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Aren't you glad that Jesus overcame the world? Yeah, hell is fighting. But today we have victory in Jesus. Is that all and get one yes out of that? Surely there's more people than that. How, let me tell you what. We have victory in Jesus today. Jesus did not design us to fight this battle by ourselves. You don't have to fight that addiction by yourself. You don't have to fight that depression by yourself. Thank God, Brother Ronnie and Sister Christina, you don't have to raise them children by yourself. You've got a church that you can come to. You've got a church that can watch other kids worship and magnify and praise God. Hallelujah. We don't have to fight this battle by 
ourselves, but God gave us a church of the living God. Praise the Lord. This is why, praise God, he gave us a church. We can't fight this by ourselves. I can't, I'm glad I can't do this by myself. I'm glad that we came here 15 years ago. It's not still me and my wife and my two children. I'm thankful that we got some people that call Harvest House their church. Hallelujah. That call the same God that I serve. Praise the Lord. They're God. We need a church. We need a church. We need a church. And Jesus designed the church to be the most powerful force on the face of this earth. Praise God. That's why he looked at Peter in Matthew 16 and 18. He said, I say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. How many glad that he built the church on a rock? How many glad that he built it on a sheer foundation? You know what he said past that, Brother Texas? In the gates of hell shall not. Somebody say that with me. Shall not prevail against it. Praise God. He said, I'm going to give to thee the keys the kingdom whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven you hear me today God gave us a church that's founded on the rock Christ Jesus praise the Lord and I'm telling you right now it's the greatest thing on the face of the earth you know what the church is that's why Jesus went to Calvary and shed his blood he shed his blood for the church amen amen these verses are the first mention of the church in the New Testament. Many things in this world are and has been shaken and will be shaken. And somebody might say, well, the church has been shaken over the last year and a half because of coronavirus. We've not been able to go back to the church. If you think this building here today is a church, you have missed the whole point. And that's why you're probably struggling in the place that you're struggling right now. This building is not the church. Thank God it's not. This is not the best facility in the world. And we've done a lot of painting and we've done a lot of upkeep and it looks a whole lot better. Hallelujah. But I want to tell you what, on the best day, it's still wood. It's still mortar. It's still bricks and it's still concrete and God praise the Lord don't dwell in the brick and the concrete and the seats and the pews but he dwells in the people that's a part of the church hallelujah because the people is the church praise the Lord the people is the church and you know what even though hell tried to keep us out of the church buildings the church still thrived and the church still went on and we still had church it might have been online church hallelujah and it might have been in your bedroom praise the Lord worshiping and praising God but the church church cannot and will not be shaken praise the Lord Isaiah 2 and 19 said the earth will be shaken but the church will not be shaken praise God Ezekiel 38 said Israel won't even be shaken but the church will not be shaken Haggai said the heavens and the nations will be shaken but the church will still not be shaken praise the Lord Hebrews told us that everything that can be shaken will be shaken but brother David the church cannot be shaken praise the Lord that is a bride of Christ praise the Lord the Bible says the gates of hell shall not shall not prevail against the church amen hang on with me I'm going to go somewhere amen we're not just a select few who are picked out if, you, if anybody watched the live feed in Brother Dustin's where I preached there last, uh, last Sunday night, you'll probably hear a few bits and pieces of this that I, I repeated, I copied and pasted in my sermon here today. This church is not exclusive, but it's inclusive. This church is a call for everyone to come and take the responsibility of what God wants us to do. 
We are called out of every kindred and tribe and nation according to Revelations 5 and 9. And God called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Our only chance to make it out of this world and into eternity is going to be because we are connected to the church of the living God. Say this today. If you think you can only survive at home and you can have it all by yourself and you don't need a pastor and you don't need an assembly to be connected to, you're probably going to wake up in hell one of these days because you need a church and you need a pastor in your life. You need a congregation in your life. You can't make it on your own. God designed it that way. It's not some building that we walk into, but a church that will get you to heaven. A host of people that is connected across the world. The church is made up of many bodies that's connected to each other all across this world. Praise God. Right now, all across this world, there's people having churches. Some people started church at 10 this morning. A lot of churches nowadays are having church at 8, 10, 12, all kinds of different times. A lot of churches, a uh, uh, star of Bethlehem, probably just, they're fixing to start here in just a little bit. My brother probably just got done here in about an hour ago. Some going to have church a little bit later. But let me tell you what, we all get to moving. Guess what's happened? There's a spirit of God that's inside of everybody that's really a part of the church and we're connected and each community praise the Lord has a body has an assembly and I'm thankful that Mary in Kentucky's got one of those it's called Harvest House praise God Harvest House United Pentecostal Church we are the light for this area praise God we're the light in this area and I'm thankful that you're here today praise the Lord but let me tell you what never not every building that's called a church is a part of the living God amen and although I believe we should be at church, listen to me. I believe we should be at church every time the doors open. And listen, I told you, don't let this distract you. You hear me? I'd rather that child be here now than anywhere else. Don't let it distract you. Lift your hands and love God right now. I would not expect anything any different today. Amen. Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help somebody today. Today, if somebody will embrace what I'm saying, your life will never be the same again. Although I believe we should be at church every time the doors open, unless we are sick, in the hospital, working because of circumstances beyond your control, or dead, you should be in church. Somebody says, you really mean that, brother? I do. I mean it so well as why I never let my children get a job when they miss on Sundays and Thursdays. Church is important. That's why if they ever asked me to work on Sunday very often, I'd quit. It's important. Church is important. We can't just go to church, though. We've got to be the church. This world don't need another building we call the house of God. This world needs a church that knows how to be the church. Biblically, praise God. And people who themselves have no real power, uh, we have no real power, but we are empowered by the power of the Holy Ghost, which is Christ in us, the hope of glory. And when the pandemic shut down the church buildings, it didn't stop the church. But the church is still alive. The church is not this building, but the people who have become a conduit for the power of God. I cannot say it enough today. We need to be a part of the church of the living God. Not just for namesake, but in commitment. 
don't just for namesake, but praise God, we got to be committed. How do you know you're connected to the church? The church is the body of Christ. And if you don't feel the pain of the church, there's a good chance you may not be a part of the church. Because here's the thing, Sister, Sister Michelle. If this arm hurts, I don't care if it's a little bitty splinter in my finger. I feel it everywhere in my body. How many has ever stepped on a piece of glass or uh, metal around my house is very, very often happens because of work at a machine shop or a thorn. You get it and you step on it, you get it in your finger. What happens? You just don't go, oh, it hurts here. Your whole entire body hurts. Because you're a part of the body. And let me tell you today, if you're going You know what? I, I've, I've had people that said, I'm going to get on to something here in just a second. But I've had people say, I was sick or I was in the hospital and you didn't even know it. You know why? You was disconnected from the church. I am not a soothsayer. I am not a mind reader. But if you're connected to the church, somehow God would let me know. And it might be through you texting me. It might be through you telling, uh, telling somebody, let pastor know I'm sick and hurting. Because I want to tell you what, my finger is connected to my body. And although, you know what, this, uh, I might not see it happen, but if something smashes my toe or my finger, the rest of my body is going to know it because it's connected to it. So number one, we've got to be connected to the church. Harvest house, don't die as a fool. Don't die as a fool. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, don't die as a fool. The Bible is, the Bible is very cautious about calling somebody else a fool. Matter of fact, Jesus lets us know in his Sermon on the Mount, he said, don't be calling no man a fool. However, we do find in the Bible that it uses the word fool very often. We see the word fool used often in the wisdom of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament. In those two books alone, the use of the word uh, fool over two-thirds of the times is found in, in Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. In the King James Version, the word fool occurs in those two books alone 71 times. Maybe to truly know wisdom, you've also got to be shown what a fool looks like. Foolishness or folly has a lot of different forms. One thing is for sure today, we all have an appointment with death that we're all going to keep. Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed to men once to die. Everybody say we're going to die once. But after that, the Bible says there is judgment. Psalms 89.48 says, What man can live and not see death? The question we need to ask today ourselves is this. In what state will I die? 
how will I die when I die? Unfortunately, it appears that most people will die in sin and be lost. Can I say that again and it not bother you at all? It would appear that most people, especially in the time that we're living in right now, will die and will be lost and go to hell. But we can die in Jesus Christ and be righteous and be saved. Amen? In my opening verses today, Jesus referred to one as a full hours before he died. The man said in the text that I read today in Luke, he said, what shall I do? Because I've got no more room for all the great stuff that I've got. He said, I know what I'll do. I'll build bigger barns. I'll build something greater in my life. And then I'll put all my fruits and goods in there. And I'll just sit back and I'll say, so? You've got a lot of stuff and you've got it made for many years. So why don't you just eat and drink and be merry and everything will be all right. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall these things be which thou hast provided? I'm talking to some people today. I hope it's not you, but there's a very good chance you're thinking, Hey, preacher, I'm young. I ain't got to worry about it. I got all my life. Hey, preacher, I've been living this way all my life. I don't need a church. I don't need a pastor. I don't need nobody to tell me what to do. I've got it all together. You don't know today may be your last day to live. You may not make it to the house before God says your time is up. Why are you preaching so hard, Pastor? I'll tell you why I'm preaching so hard. Because I'm seeing people die a fool every day. And it scares me to death. Because I don't want the people that I pastor, praise the Lord, or anybody that ever may hear me preach, to die as a fool. Because I want to ask you this today. What would cause us to die as a fool? What would cause us, Brother Eddie, to die as a fool? Number one, simply, simply put, is if we die in ungodliness, if we die in sin. It would be foolish for a person to die in a state of ungodliness because the Bible says in Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, that sin separates man from God. If you are living in sin, I don't care what this world may say, there's only one way to know what sin is. It's in this word right here. And let me tell you what, he gives us the Ten Commandments, and nowadays most people don't even keep the Ten Commandments. Because I got young people committing fornication, we got adults committing adultery, we got people forsaking the house of God, we got people just on them top ten, hallelujah, they're, they're doing all kinds of things. We've got idols, because we're not supposed to have any idols before us, but we let anything and everything keep us from the house of God. And guess what? If you're living in that thing actively, guess what you're doing? You're living in sin, and it would be you would be foolish to die in sin and you're living in sin that would be that would qualify somebody as being a fool fair enough amen dying without ever have obeying the gospel would qualify somebody as dying as a fool Matthew chapter 7 and uh, 24 through 27 Jesus speaking on the on the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about uh, the wise and the foolish. And he says, the wise obey the Lord's command and the foolish fail to obey. 
Brother Eddie, if God's given us commands, it would be foolish for us not to obey those commands because it's a possibility that if we didn't, we wouldn't, we wouldn't obey the, uh, uh, the gospel and we'd never be saved. And, and, but today you have time. Today you have opportunity. It, it could be limited, hallelujah, not too much longer. We don't have much longer you got. But today we have time and we have opportunity. You can be born again, as the Bible says. You can repent. You can be baptized in Jesus' name. And you can be filled with the Holy Ghost, praise God. And guess what? You wouldn't die as a fool then because you've obeyed the gospel. And I'm thankful there's some people here today, you've done that. You have repented. You have been baptized in Jesus' name. And you have received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I would hope that, praise God, doing all that, you wouldn't die as a fool. But, unfortunately, there's some people that's going to die in an unfaithful state. And if you die in an unfaithful state, the Bible says in Galatians 3 and 1, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should obey, not obey the truth before who dies? Jesus Christ have been evidently set forth crucified among you. You know what he said? The Galatian church, he said, referring to those who live in an unfaithful state as being foolish. Come on. Don't check out on me. Uh, let me. Let me talk to somebody here today. Come on. Why, why have we walked away from God? Why are we not faithful? Has God not been, has God not been good to us? Hallelujah. We, we, can't, we can't die, praise the Lord, and, and not serve in God. Come on. We don't want to do that. You know what else would qualify as you dying as a fool? Indifference. The Bible said in Matthew 25, 1 through 13, five virgins were foolish, and five were wise. Why were they foolish, Brother Donnie? I'll tell you why they was foolish. They had not prepared themselves completely. They only had just enough, they thought, to get them by. I hope just enough is good enough. But according to uh, the book of uh, Matthew chapter 25, they had not enough to keep their lamps burning. They were indifferent. Now, I need you to help me today. I need you to connect with me. I want you to raise your hands, and I want you to love the Lord right now. Jesus, right now, I'm asking you to help us today, Lord. Help us today, Lord, in this place, God. Jesus. Oh, God, in your name, in your name, Lord. Help us here today. Yes, all of those things would be tragic for somebody to die in those states as a fool. But the fool that I want to concentrate on today is a man by the name of Abner. I'm going to tell a little bit about Abner today, and I want you to connect with me. If you're not a Bible reader, you may not be familiar with this story, so let me give you some insight to who Abner is. Abner is among the most tragic men who has uh, been men of in influence, but in a time, a decision that he made, his legacy became a legacy of a fool. Abner died as a fool. Second Samuel 3 and 32 and 33, it says, And they buried Abner in Hebron. And the king, King David, lifted up his voice and wept at the grave of Abner. 
And all the people wept, and, king, and the king laminated over Abner and said, Died Abner as a fool dieth. You see, you may not know who Abner is, but let me tell you who Abner is today. Abner was successful. He was the commander of Saul, the very first king of Israel's army. He was one of Saul's greatest supporters in pursuing David and trying to kill him. And in time after Saul's death, Abner, he ended up aligning himself with King David. Abner's had a lot of military success and he, uh, he went against a lot of the enemies of Israel and he caused, uh, 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 he caused David to speak of, uh, of Abner. When David talked about Abner, he said, Abner was a prince. He was a great man. Abner was a great man in his time. Abner had opportunities not given to a lot of people. He was the first cousin to Saul. And David called, that's why David called him a prince. Because Saul was the king, so he was, he was kin to the king. So he was a prince. And Abner's greatness in Israel, all of his wars, it was very well known by David. And that's why David called him a prince, Sister Penny. But he was a prince whose legacy was a fool. His success overshadowed all of his successes that he had was overshadowed by playing the fool. And Adler's foolishness became his legacy. I, now, I know, I know that I'm, I'm, uh, um, I know I'm, today I may be taking the chance of losing somebody, of talking about this story, especially if somebody that may not know it. But I'm going to tell you what, if, if, if you want a difference made in your life, I'm asking you to dial in with me right now for just a minute and let, listen to me talk about, da, uh, about Admir because included in David's inscription, his, uh, uh, when he was talking about Admir dying, he asked this question. He said, Died Admir as a fool dieth? David's five-word question that he, he asked, it became a legacy for this man, Abner. Abner, uh, he, he, he's not the last man that died like that. Too often, this, this word fool, it could be used as a part of inscription of a many of our lives and our accomplishments and the things that we've done. We've all became fools every once in a while in our life. But today, I want us to learn from Abner's mistake. Let us, I, I don't want I don't want your legacy one day to be that of, hey, uh, this person died as a fool. When Saul died, Abner, instead of going after David, who was supposed to be king, he took Saul's son, Ishpeneth, and, and, and made him king of Israel. And over several years, Abner supported uh, Saul's son. But when Abner, he came upset at him, and all of a sudden he said, you know what? I'm not going to support you, King David. It's, he's supposed to be the king. That's who uh, Samuel said was going to be king. So he turned, and he went, and he, he, he told David, he said, David, I want to help you get the whole entire kingdom in your life. So withdrawal from Ishbenath. And David and Abner come together, brother, uh, brother David Garrett, and they agreed, they had an agreement. And they had it in hand. And he said, look, David, I'll help you get all the kingdom of Israel together. So you'll have all the kingdom. At that time, David only was king over Judah and not the rest of the entire uh, uh, Israel. But Abner helped him because Abner was a man of influence. What are you trying to hit, say today? I'm trying to let you know, even if you're a person of influence, you can die as a fool today. 
So he began to gather all the support of all the tribes and he got them all together and soon the kingdom of Ishbanoth was no more and David was anointed to be king just like the prophet Samuel said he would be. You see, Abner won battles. Abner helped establish kings and kingdoms. Abner understood people. Abner got things done. Abner knew how to gain influence. Abner knew how to use that influence to accomplish things. And, and, and wherever Abner went, people followed him. He was a man of great influence. And in spite of all his accomplishments, David still asks this question. Abner died as a fool. Come on, please, don't check out on me here today. Listen to me. Listen to me. This Abner, he was a mighty warrior. David had his captains and he had his army. And one day, Abner got in a fight with David's, uh, 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 David's men. And Abner began to flee from the battle. This is something that Abner wasn't used to. But as he began to run away from the bad battle, I imagine he was disappointed because his army was losing to David's army. And, and there was a young man by the name of Ashiel. He was part of this battle. And he was one of David's supporters. And, and, and he was Joab, David's military leader's uh, oldest brother. And when Abner fled from the battle, Ashiel pursued after him. The Bible says that he was light of foot. And Abner was on a donkey. And he ran by behind him but all of a sudden Abner turned around and said man don't chase me and Abner ended up taking his spear and sticking it into uh, Joab's brother Ashiel and Ashiel died that day come on bear with me today I, I, I'm not trying to lose anybody and I hope I'm not trying to bore anybody if you'll just listen to me today I'm trying to get you to understand something today we cannot die as a fool and we can learn something from Abner today Ab Abner uh, uh, killed Ashiel causing him to die right there and, and I want to tell you today I, I want somebody to understand today that we don't want to die as a fool okay but since Abner killed Ashiel in self-defense, at worst, maybe it was manslaughter. In Bible times, in such cases, the Hebrew law permitted a family member to take revenge on that manslayer. So David's captain of the army, Joab, could have killed Abner because he had killed his brother. All right? So, Brother Eddie, it would, be, it would be like this. If somebody killed your brother Clark, biblically, you would have a right to go kill him because you have a revenger of the slayer, all right? Let's, let's hope nobody kills Brother Clark, all right? We don't plan on that. But to put it put in perspective, that's what happened. Abner killed Joab's brother Ashiel. So now then, Abner has to constantly be at the risk of the fact that Joab may be able to kill me. So for safety, he ran and he hid at a place called Hebron. Everybody say Hebron. Before the Israelites entered into the promised land, God made provisions for such a situation as this. He said, if somebody, if somebody kills somebody with self-defense or kills them accidentally, there's, there's uh, six cities of refuge that we're going to set up, and you can go in that city, and you can be protected and have a safe trial there, okay? Bear with me. I'm trying to help us here today. So, Hebron was one of these six cities 
And it was a good place for anyone under the threat of men like Joab trying to kill Abner. You could run there for a safe place, okay? Go there for a safe place. You know what that sounds like to me? That sounds like what the church should be. A safe place to be. At some point in life, everybody needs a refuge. Our refuge today is the church. We have a refuge in the church, praise God. And I'm glad you came running to the house of God today. I'm glad you're in the house of God because this should be a place of refuge. Can I get an amen? And Brother Jimmy, the six cities of refuge typically, it typifies a church. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ, it provides a refuge. A better refuge than what Hebron was, okay? If you haven't already done so, it would be a good time for you to join and get to be a part of the church, amen? And yes, I know the church is imperfect. Can I say that again today? I know the church is imperfect. It's an imperfect refuge. But Jesus is the perfect refuge. Amen. Israel's six cities of refuge, they were very beneficial. They were not perfect, but they were very beneficial. So, Abner, running from Joab that may kill him, goes to a city called Hebron, a city of refuge. Come on, I ain't lost everybody totally, have I? Are you with me somewhat here? Hebron now is where Abner lived because he's running from the slayer. Hebron was the descendants of Aaron, the high priest of Israel. And the atmosphere and the activity in Hebron, would, it would be more like a seminary, probably a, a, a more than a, than a military camp. Abner was used to a military camp type thing. But now then, he's in this city that has walls, and, and those walls limited Abner's activity. If Abner went beyond them walls, though, he, he had risk of Joab revenging him and killing him. And Abner was accustomed to doing whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted. You know what this is sounding like me? It sounds like when you and I came to the house of God and we was used to sin. We was used to doing whatever we wanted to do. But now that we come to the house of God and we've got walls in our life and you've got a pastor in your life that's saying, hey, you've got to be careful with sin and they cause you to go to hell. And we're not used to this, Sister Michelle. And we come to God and we see imperfect humanity telling us to be careful and all this stuff. This is where Abner is, okay? But see, here's the thing. Admir was a man of action. He, he, he wasn't used to uh, books and Bibles. and He preferred to live without limits in his life. But, but, the, but many in Admir's neighborhood now, they were priests and they were Levites. And, and their conversations, uh, was, they wasn't talking about sharpening swords and all this and, and, and what Admir was used to. And, and this is what happened when people come to the house of God. They're used to talking about all the, uh, the horror movies and the dirty books and, and all the other stuff out there. And they're not, they're not used to our vernacular here in it becomes kind of almost a, a little bit uncomfortable, but it's still a safe place for you to be because when you're outside the house of God, there's an enemy out there that I was talking about at the beginning of it that's trying to slay you and destroy you, but you came right into the house of God for protection. Yeah. And Abner's not sure about all these things. These, these things Abner 
knew most about the, the uh, and these priests knew nothing about it. And, and I, I found that a lot of times in our conversations, new people coming in saying, uh, uh, "Have you watched this movie?" I'm like, "Oh, I hadn't seen that movie." Hey, have you heard this song? No, I haven't heard that song. So it creates this place. It almost feels like imperfection. But Brother David, it's still a protection because you're running from the world to a place of safety. It's called the church. The church is a safe place to be, Brother Donnie. And Abner didn't understand all these things. Can, can you envision uh, Hebron's walls and, and Abner's neighbors? They're over there talking about church and all this stuff. And all of a sudden, Abner says, what am I doing here? I don't even totally understand all this. People are running and shouting and worshiping in the church. And, and they're speaking in tongues. And they're talking about how you need to be baptized in Jesus' name. And you better be careful with what you watch and, and what you listen to. And you just can't hang out with everybody because they may cause you to, to miss out on, on heaven and all this stuff. And, and after a little while, we're thinking, I don't know if i got to do all this kind of stuff. I don't know. You know what? It's pretty cool to go play, go and hear Bethany sing in the drums and they've got it painted and looking cool and all that. But I don't know if it's a place that I want to be all the time. And people start feeling a little uncomfortable. And, and I can just see Abner. He said, what, what am I doing here? I, I just made a deal with David, the king of Israel, and I'm stuck in this place with a bunch of people who are nothing like me. Hebron was a refuge. Perhaps it wasn't the best one, but it was a refuge. I've watched it unfold. I, I've seen people make their way to Jesus, and I've seen them be aware of, uh, of their sin and their guilt, and, 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 and they, they believe, they obey the gospel, and, and, and the Word of God causes them to make a change in their life and repentance and and they get baptized in the wonderful name of Jesus and, and they get filled with the Holy Ghost. Now that person is in a place of safety in the church. And then I'm going to tell you what, if we can find refuge, we can find refuge from our past in the house of God. And this, and this is the whole thing that I'm talking about today. This place is a refuge. I know I, if you're looking for the perfect pastor, I've said it for 15 years, I am not him. I make mistakes. Me and Sister Cheryl argue. We had a good one this week. Thank God we're still married though. And, and, and I don't make all the best decisions and I made some bad financial decisions and I, I'm paying for it now trying to pay some debts off and I'm not made the best decisions in pastor in this church I, I could have done better with discipleship and could have been to, to handle some people better I'm not done it all the best I can but this is the best hope for Mary in Kentucky is this one God apostolic Jesus name church hallelujah and we need to connect to it we need to be here it's important to be in the house of God even though it's Imperfect. I know there's people that when you first come, and even after you've been here a while, you, well, we're, it's, they're nothing like you. They're nothing like your old buddies that you was able to, uh, to hang out with and, and all this kind of place. But, but, but this, uh, this new life is, as, as disciples of Jesus Christ, it, it, it keeps us away from sin. It keeps us away from, from all this stuff. And, and if you just read the Sermon on the Mount found in, in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, I referenced it several times, uh, uh, Jesus speaks about walls with, with those who, who follow him and live for him. And, and many want a sanctuary from, from the guilt of their past, but they want, uh, want it to be a refuge without walls. 
A lot of people want a church that they can run to and make them feel better. But they want a church without walls, without constrictions, without saying, hey, you can't commit adultery. You can't be addicted to pornography. You can't do that and make heaven your home. You can't treat people like that. You can't act like that. You can't. Somebody says, I want to be saved, but I don't need those restrictions in my life. The mindset is I'll do what I want to when I want I'm going to tell you today, such a refuge does not exist. The baby dedication, these precious babies, they live. You guys still live there at Lake Bashirs, right, Christina? You guys still live right there at Lake Bashirs, right? Coming down the hill, if you've ever been there, they come down this hill, a lot of boat ramps and stuff. Y'all just let the kids go play on the road, right? Why not? No. You just let your kids go play out in the street and the highway, right? She acted like she had to think about that. I know. You get my point, don't you? Amen. We just don't go let them play in the street. We don't. We don't take a three fifty-seven or nine millimeter or whatever your flavor of gun is and lay it out in front of them and say here play with this while it's loaded we don't just give big old butcher knives to little kids and say here go do what you want with it but yet we want to come to the house of God and we want refuge and we want protection that we're giving our children but we want to be able to do whatever we want to do you know what the sad thing is today to me you're here and I'm thankful you are but there's people that's not here today and they need to be in the house of God because they need a refuge more than anything else in this world and now they're out there in this world and they think they got everything okay in their life because I made a beg I made a plea to get everybody that calls me pastor everybody that says that this church is their church to be here today and there's a bunch of people that didn't show up you know what's happened they're on the outside because Hebron's walls provided safety for Abner those barriers that Jesus talks about on the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever preached. You need to go read that, Mark, uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's the greatest sermon that was ever preached before. It's the Sermon on the Mount. If we can get that Sermon on the Mount, we'll make heaven our home. But you know what? A wise person stays within the walls that God has given us. In the, in the folly of Abner happens like this, Okay? I know you might have understood everything I said about who Abner was and all that, but could we get the gist of this, the fact that Abner and Joab were enemies. Abner killed Joab's brother. Abner was in this city of protection, and as long as he was in there, Joab could not kill Abner. Okay? That's the whole gist of the story that I just give you. And I'm going to bring this to a close with this today. Joab was not present whenever Abner came and made the deal with David. When Joab showed up, he found out that Abner had come to David and made an alliance with David. And, 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 and Joab gets upset. He said, what? The man who killed my brother now then is going to join forces with us? I don't like that, David. He was... 
adamant about the criticism. Joab did not trust Abner. And now Abner is going to be fighting alongside of me? Don't we have that in church? Your enemy comes in the house of God and now they're on the altar repenting. You've done been here for a little while and you're like, I don't think so. I'm not going to the same church as them. That's my enemy. This is what, this is what Joab's thinking, all right? It was not long before Joab sent men to the city of refuge, Hebron, and he sent messengers and said, Go tell Abner... We, really, we don't know what the contents of his message was. We just know that Joab sent a message to Abner and said, I want to meet with you, okay? And Joe, we don't know what he said, but we got, we got to remember that, that Joab killed Abner's brother. So Abner, uh, he, he, he just took and said, okay, I'll agree to it. So we don't know what he said. He, he might have just said, hey, come meet me, or he might have just given him a big bunch of lies. Whatever the case, what we do know that he agrees to go meet him. All right? We wonder what's going through Abner's mind. Perhaps Abner might have been thinking that maybe this, uh, we know what Joab's thinking. Joab's thinking, oh, I, this ain't going to happen. I plan on killing that guy because he killed my brother. You know what? There's people out there in this world right now that wants to destroy you because they see you happy in church and they don't want you here. There's a Joab out there somewhere that's trying to entice you. Hear me? Come on. Lift your hands and love God for a second. Oh, God, help us. Abner may have imagined this new alliance had any, any problems that he had with Joab. Abner may have thought that David had told Joab, you got to get over your problem with Abner. Don't you harm him. I need Abner in this alliance. Perhaps Abner thought that, that this meeting was just, uh, uh, maybe they was going to be planning together because they was going to be uh, battling together. Regardless of whatever that message said, Abner welcomed it. And Joab, uh, 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 was more like the people that he was used to anyway. A man of war. Instead of being in here with this city with his people. See, Joab, he wasn't a man of theology. Joab was not asking for a meeting to, to, to discuss uh, what all these books, these Bibles and everything. You know how it is. You've been to church for a little while and then you got a friend that calls up and says, Hey, let's go hang out. And you know you don't need to hang out with him. You know you don't need to miss church and go hang out with them that day. You know you don't need to be messing with that girl or messing with that guy because they're trouble in the past and they're going to be trouble again. And when Joab came to Hebron, Abner was ready to meet him despite having a difference. And he's going to set them aside. But when he arrived there, you see, the gates of the ancient city were busy, and there was a lot of, uh, it was a place where there was a lot of commerce and things happening at the city. It was a common meeting place. And in any, whatever the case, Joab invited Abner to meet him at the busy gate of the city of refuge. And so when Joab got there, he said, Why don't you come with me out of the city? Let's step over here just a little bit. Let's talk for a moment. 
right? This is the city of refuge right here. This is the gate. And they finally meet. And Joab says, Abner? I don't know what he said, but he said, come on, let's step outside the city walls and let's have a talk. And you know what happened when they stepped outside the city walls? I don't know what Abner was thinking, but Joab took a spear, a knife, and went under the fifth rib and slayed Abner. When Abner stepped into that gate, when Abner stepped outside of that gate, his protection was gone. Hear me. If you hear nothing else in this sermon, you got to hear this. Abner was no longer inside the city of refuge. Joab killed him. Abner died only steps from the refuge. You hear me today. A, a, a road map to, to where Abner got to this place. You know how he got there? What were the steps that led Abner to dying as a fool? He stepped out of the protection of the church. He stepped out of the protection of the pastor. He disconnected. He quit texting and saying, Hey, pastor, I'm sick. I can't make it tonight. And all of a sudden, it turned into embarrassment. And the next thing you know, there wasn't a connection to the church. It wasn't connected to a pastor. It wasn't connected to anybody. And just a few steps out of the city of refuge. Now then, the person's pursuing you. The devil I was talking about earlier. I know I've been long. Please forgive me. I'm almost done. Praise the Lord. Hear me today. But Abner was probably just a comfortable he wasn't totally comfortable in the city of refuge so one of his old buddies come along and said come out of the city and let me talk to you Abner died as a fool the same thing happens with us who come to Jesus. The church culture is different from where you come from. Yeah, you was used to live. If you wasn't raised in church, and a lot of times if you were raised in church, it goes against our grain. And when we come to Jesus, we find refuge from our past, but life in Jesus is a lot different than life not living for Jesus. Hallelujah. Apostle Paul said it this way, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. As your pastor, I will speak of the priority of church attendance. I, I don't want to control your life, but however, I do want you to think about your actions. I want you to think about what you're doing when you step outside these walls. Abner stepped outside the protection of Hebron, assuming that Joab's motives were pure. Would Abner ever step deep out of that city gate, praise the Lord, if he had ever felt threatened. If would, would you have gotten the back seat of that car if you'd known it's going to make you a single parent? Would you have clicked on that website if you had known it was going to cause you to be addicted to pornography? Would you have took the hit off of that thing if you knowed it was going to make you addicted to it? Would you have took that sip if you'd known it was going to cost you your wife and your children or your spouse and your children? Would you have done it? No, you wouldn't. If you'd known your baby was going to blow its brains out, you would have never gave that baby the gun, right? And that's why we don't give them the guns. But you know what we do? We give them guns every day. We give them phones with access to everything in the world. And we think everything's going to be all right. If I had to do over again, my kids would have never got a phone until they were 16. And I'm not sure they would have got it then. Oh, you old hard pal. I don't care what you think I am. I'm trying to save somebody. I'm trying to keep them in the house of God. 
Are you mad, Pastor? I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at the devil that's enticing people. There's people all being in the house of God today. But there's a Joab saying, come outside that gate. Come outside that gate. And what he's doing, he's waiting to put a spear in your side. Come on, it's that job. Oh, come on, I need you to work this Sunday. You can make a lot more money. I don't care how much money I can make. It's not worth losing my soul over. But the fool assumes an assumption of what always causes us to be wrong. If Abner had known what was intended, he would have never walked out that door. It, surely if Abner had known that Joab was going to kill him, he wouldn't have walked out that door. Hey Amen. I guess Bethany's back there. If you come play something, Texas. I... So Abner died as a fool. To avoid being called a fool, all Abner had to do was stay inside of Hebron. Abner's safety depended on him submitting to the walls that constrained him. A sanctuary, a church, meant tolerating, accepting, and eventually appreciating the priests and the Levites who were his neighbors. A wise Abner would have overlooked the uncomfortable culture of the climate that was so different than what he was used to. A wise Abner would have invited Joab inside of Hebron, inside the city of refuge, instead of him stepping out. How does that translate to us? Your buddy says, hey, why don't you come hang out? It's you saying, no, this is church night. Why don't you come to church with me? The meeting between the two men could have happened within the city walls, inside the church. What did Abner gain by stepping outside? He gained the legacy of having been a fool. Abner died like a fool. Hebron was Abner's safety, yet he abandoned the only place where he had security. I want to tell you today, don't assume that you'll get away with your unsafe behavior. Let me get in your face today for a moment as your pastor. We have just a few guests here today. Let me get in your face. Be careful with that boy or that girl. They're going to cost you more than you want. Be careful with that friend you're hanging out with. Be careful with that job. Be careful with spending so much time on Facebook and so little time on your Bible and praying. Because listen, if you think I'm just talking about being in this building today, you're missing the point. The church, the safety of the church is community. Now I'm going to say something that's going to be hard for some of us to hear today, but I'm going to say it. The text message that I sent out to multiple people encouraging them to come here today. I got one thumbs up from somebody who's not here. I got two replies back saying I'll be there. One other person gave me a thumbs up or like, liked it. And nobody else responded. Why, why, why did that bother you? I'll tell you why. 
Because safety begins at accountability. Yeah, you may end at a dead end, you may live in a dead end street, but I bet every time you hear something different, they're outside playing. What happens? Where's my kids? Every time you don't see them, what do you do? Cameron, Elijah, where you at? Any times you've been in a crowd and you, you all of a sudden you don't find your kids, you start flipping out. I walk through the door and there the, their seat is empty and nobody's there. I hadn't had a text message. I hadn't had a phone call. And somebody says, where's so-and-so? I go, please, I'm begging you. If you can't make it, don't think I'm going to be mad at you. If I, if I even, even upset, it's because I know the danger of being outside the walls of protection. There's some that's not here today, and I don't know where they There's some that's not come for weeks and months, and they hardly ever come. I don't know where they are. I text them, I call them. Come on, we got to protect our morals. We cannot assume that our bad behavior will not have implication because it always does. As Adler took one step out of that gate, he was technically outside the walls. And that one step was his decision was fatal. Don't die. Hebrews 10 and 25 says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a matter of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Listen, listen. I know some of us have so much of life. It's so hard. It's a struggle. I understand that. I understand you may not be able to come to the house of God every time. I know you may have to work a job on Sunday or, or weekdays. I understand that. Don't get me wrong. But the bottom line is I'm talking about being accountable, being connected to a church so deeply that they know or we know that so-and-so is going through hell. And, and not only from your side, but this side is connected to you. You're connected to a community. Oh, and then they know that you're struggling and you're not by yourself. You're in the walls even though you're not here because the church isn't this building but it's the whole entire scope of this world not forsaking the assembling yourselves together as some man or some is but exhorting one another what's that that's really he said, and so much more as you see that day approaching. What day? The day of the coming of the Lord. He said, we're going to have to get together more as much as we can because the devil's coming back. Listen to what verse 26 said. For if we sin willfully, after we receive the knowledge of the truth, there remains. Isn't it incredible that right after the verse we talks about how you need to assemble, he said, but if you do this willfully, there is no sacrifice for it. Because you know why? 
what you're doing is like, I know I need to go to church. I know I need to be accountable. I know I need to pray. I know I need to read my Bible. I know I need to leave that long. But guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to step out of the protection and take my chances. You know what it's like? It's when they painted the blood on the doorpost of the children of Israel. And they said, everybody stay inside that door where the blood is. Because if anybody steps outside that doorpost, the angel of death is going to kill them. It's the same thing right there. I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about this building. But when you step out of the protection, there's some people sitting in this building today and some people that's not here today. The only reason they're still alive because I haven't stopped praying for them hear that again. The only reason that some people are not dead today is because I'm still praying for them. And there's other people in this church that's still praying for them. And then you know what? The minute you begin, you know what? Some people is actually literally prying their hands away from the church and I don't need the church. I don't need a pastor. He don't want your ties. He don't just want you attending the house of God. He wants you to go to heaven. Please don't die as a fool. My last verse, you can stand. I, I hope the altars would be full with people saying, God, help me stand in church, whatever the case. But I poured my heart. Don't think I'm mad at you. I'm not mad at nobody. I'm mad at hell. It's fighting us. He's trying to destroy us. But Matthew 16 and 26 says, For what, with, what is a man profited? He shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul. Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? What are you going to give in exchange for your soul? Is that girl, is that boy that's not in the church worth it? Is that website you keep clicking on worth it? Is that anger harbored in your spirit worth it? Come on, don't step outside those walls, Abner. Don't die as a fool, Abner. Everybody that called me pastor called Harvey Sousa Church was here today. We couldn't house them. There would be hundreds. You know, all the times I get phone calls and text messages from people. It's been weeks and months. They said, Pastor, pray for me. And I'll pray for them. But in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, God, if they had only been at the house of God, if they had only stayed connected, they wouldn't have a Joab sticking in the Messiah and trying to kill them. I'm pleading today with you. Don't die as a fool. And if you're lost here today, maybe you're, you don't know nothing about this. I'm telling you, the church is imperfect. Uh, this body of people is imperfect, but the church is designed. It is a place of protection. And you can be safe in the church, even with the imperfect people. Oh, come on. I'm telling you, go to church every chance you get. Oh, come on. Read your Bible every chance you get. But more than anything, be accountable. Be connected to the church. if you cut the arm off the bleeding will stop and the body will live but the arm will die 
but there's something that's called phantom pain and when somebody leaves the church and they're severed from the church we still feel you here just as you cut your big toe off you're going to feel it still there even though it's not we feel for you today oh come on I want us to pray I want us to pray for ourselves pray for our city I'm sorry for being long you know I don't preach this long it's probably an hour I'm so sorry please forgive me that's a burden it's on my soul I don't want to see people lost oh and it's not pointed at nobody in particular here today it's pointed to our area our whole city everybody I want us to not die before stay in the church be connected to the house of 